podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We all take on different roles every day. One minute you're a parent, the next a chef, or a driver. That's why the Volvo XC40 Recharge is designed to be as versatile as you are. It's fully electric and includes a 360-degree camera, Google built-in, and more. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC40 Recharge. For every you. Some equipment optional. Google is a trademark of Google LLC. Hello and welcome to the Five Year Plan, a Christmas podcast. Hey! Andy intentionally there. He's either frozen or he intentionally didn't say way because he's such a Grinch and hates Christmas. He I hates, think he might have frozen. He hates frozen as well, so he won't have frozen <laughs> deliberately. <laughs> he has anything Christmas. He has gone. No, he's back. <laughs> it's a little Christmas treat for you. Thanks, Andy. That's uh, incredible timing. Are you connecting to audio? This is fantastic. Listeners are going to get behind the scenes, you know, showing of what really happens on this podcast. Andy, are you still with us? And do you hate Christmas? He's still not here. This is fantastic audio. And he has gone. Kevin, I'll, I'll talk to you then. Let's just pretend Andy's he not was, here. He was He was great when we would said hello beforehand. He was. I think he just likes to sort of jeopardise the podcast as much as possible and make my life yeah, as hard does. as possible. Someone who doesn't do that is the exact opposite, in fact. It's Kevin Day, of course. Hello hello to you, sir. It's been a while since you've been on the podcast. It is lovely to have you back on. It's a Christmas present for all of us. Yes, how very kind of you to say so. It's, it's funny that the old bloke manages to work the technology, isn't it? Whereas <laughs> the, the go-getting young lawyer, uh, he was fine a minute. Well, when we said hello, and can we get on with it as quickly as possible? He was oh, now fine. he has gone. Now he has completely he, he gone. Has, he's completely gone. Now he's taken umbrage. You know, we both look much bigger than before. So <laughs> let's crack on and see. Don't if say that, Kevin. People, people think the call's taken a turn. Um, I think he's just committing to the to his bits of uh, really, really hating Christmas. Uh, I'm going to let him back in now. But anyway, while he connects. How are you? It's good to have you. It's great to have you back on the pod. I'm fine. I'm I'm fine, thank you. It's lovely to be back. It, it's yes, it's been uh, a strange old couple of months, but uh, uh, no, I'm I'm fine. Uh, it's, it's been a strange time for my industry as well, but uh, I'm I'm really enjoying watching Andrew Street appear and reappear. It's like something out of Panto. <laughs> oh no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> that's you. Andy. That sounds like you're back. Hello. Hi. Yes. Yeah, sorry about that. That's it's, all right. We amused ourselves for a yeah. minute and a half. This yeah, time. we chatted. It's fine. Yeah, we're not going to um, be. How on earth did two comedians manage to entertain themselves without a lawyer present? Yeah, we're, we're talking about law, by talking about the lawyer. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. We're, it's all right, Andy. You know, we've already given up on any potential BAFTA nominations for this episode. So <laughs> I think we just relax. Well, we can cut about thirty percent of it on the usual <laughs> lawyers' basis. <laughs> um. Andy, how are you? I did ask you earlier if you, uh, if one, if you enjoyed Christmas, and I know you don't, and two, maybe if you, the fact that you sort of left us at the start of the call was your way of committing to your real hate of Christmas and, and trying to jeopardise this Christmas episode. Well, yes. I, 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 my son suddenly got into the Grinch movie, which I particularly like, but save for that, my disdain for the festive period remains. Did he Fantastic. think the Grinch movie was like a family video? <laughs> Did he wonder why Daddy was? Why is Daddy all dressed dressed in green, stealing presents? Well, no. The, the worst thing is because obviously you have to indulge young children at Christmas, which is terrible. But he, he then asked me the other day, Daddy, why do some people not like Christmas? <gasps> and I wanted obviously to say because they're enlightened uh, people who have reached a higher level of intellectual attainment and know that it's uh, uh, a, a load of shallow nonsense. But obviously, I had to say, well, maybe they're just not very happy people. And then I thought. Maybe <laughs> Maybe that's secular logic has come back to bite me there. Yeah. <laughs> Just pointing towards Uncle Kevin. Whenever if somebody asks him about Christmas, you point him in my direction. I'll set him straight about how <laughs> wonderful this time of year is. I was going to ask Kevin because I couldn't remember if you like Christmas or not. But of course, you, you, you're not a fan of summer. So by virtue, you must be a big Christmas fan. I bang on about Christmas all the time. <laughs> I don't, I don't Between remember. October and December, I'm all, it's, it's my thing. 
Mr. <laughs> Christmas. I love Christmas. I really enjoy Christmas. Even even this year with all the uncertainty and all the worry we've had to put up with, uh, I still love Christmas. It's over too soon as far as I'm concerned. I might start calling you Mr. Christmas. Actually, yeah, I'd love sounds... to be called Mr. Christmas. I like... <laughs> Christmas Day, well, that's a great name. That's true. That's very true. I might call this week's episode Mr. Christmas. Um, Right, shall we? Andy's gone again, but it's fine. Shall we do a shout-out to a random patron, as we do at the start of every episode? Let's do that. In that case, it's just you and me doing a drum roll, then. Let's let's, let's crack on. It's Mr. Uh, Robert Hesimovic. Hey, Robert. How are you? Happy Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas, Robert. Uh, And you can join our patron, just like Robert did, uh, at patron.com forward slash FYP podcast. And there's various tiers, and you can get post-match podcasts, uh, patron-only merchandise, which we've just sent out to the patrons. The latest run is an FYP bobble hat, uh, and they seem to be going down very well indeed. Um, And access to the patron-only Discord club as well. So that's at patron.com forward slash FYP podcast. Speaking of merch, we do have a merch line available for everybody. And all patrons get an immediate 20% off that anyone can buy from that merch at full price at podcastmerch.co.uk forward slash FYP hyphen podcast. So do check that out. You've made Christmas into such a commercial time. You're taking (laughs) all the joy out of it. Yeah, I was the person that turned it into a commercial time. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, and that's that's actually the end of all the admin at the top of this episode, which feels weirdly short, actually, for uh, for most episodes. But anyway, so, Kevin, on this episode, we'll be talking about what well, we thought we were going to get two games. And obviously, the Watford game was called off because of uh, the sort of growing pandemic panic, let's call it that. Um, so it's just the Saints game, a two-all draw, mm. which actually happened almost exactly a week ago. So I think this is the longest we've ever spent between a game and a podcast. Uh, and then later on, we'll discuss an article from The Athletic, answer some questions and preview the Spurs game on Boxing Day, assuming that it's going to go ahead. Who knows? I think it, I think it will go ahead. Um, logically, Spurs have had their outbreak, so that should be dealt with. It does illustrate uh, Watford... I believe, uh, and I can't uh, verify this, but I believe Watford have the lowest number of vaccinated first-team players. Um, and it, it, their game against Burnley was called off at two hours' notice because yeah. unvaccinated players had to self-isolate. Premier League clubs are not doing enough to educate their players about the need to be vaccinated, unfortunately. And you know, footballers, rightly or wrongly, are role models and are considered so by very many people. When you've got... Uh, medical things like in, when Stoke City did a thing about male blood pressure and male heart disease, something like 5,000 new men went uh, to get themselves tested because you know, men will, in particular, will listen to their football club and not their doctors. So you know, clubs should have been encouraging players to get vaccinated. And this is the almost inevitable outcome. Uh, I, I didn't think for a minute that the Premier League would consider... Uh, postponing the, the the games after Boxing Day, as was, as they were apparently meant to be talking about on Monday. So, I'm I'm hopeful that the games will go ahead. I'm hopeful that the Norwich game will go ahead. It's 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 a real shame the Watford game was called off because we just started to get a little bit of. Mm. Men. I wasn't at the Southampton game unfortunately because uh, a friend and I have an annual Christmas treat. We go and see a show. And she booked it for Wednesday. And, of course, it didn't occur to me that Palace would be playing on a Wednesday, not a Tuesday. Um, so I missed that. But I was at the Everton game, and that was a very welcome performance. So I, I think we would have gone to Watford at a very good time for us and a bad time for them. And if we if we could have gone there and got three points going into the uh, Christmas, that would have been really good. Cause that, I thought the Everton performance <clears throat> as, and the result was very important. As there were... There were one or two people just starting to murmur after Mm. three. Yeah, we we deserved to beat Villa, I thought, or certainly deserved a draw. You know, Leeds we could easily got something out of, and it's you know it's a rush of blood to the head, and then we lost one nil against. Man United for the first time under the manager, they weren't bad results in isolation, but we needed something against Everton, and we've thoroughly deserved it that we've thoroughly deserved it and he, I was talking to Everton fans afterwards who were really I was I was amazed how passive Everton were actually and, I, and I, we Palace in times gone by would not have taken advantage of that that passivity to be perfectly honest we would have we would have just sat back and been as passive as they were but we went for it and the, the converse from what I saw of the Southampton game the opposite was true in, in that game the Southampton were full of energy really played on the front foot and we adapted to deal 
with that as well, and and in the end got a probably deserved point. So yeah, the Watford dis- game being called off was disappointing, but it's we're going into the Christmas period, I think, with more hope and pleasure in a Palace team than we have done for for quite some time. I I, I genuinely can't see us being dragged down into into that, you know, touch wood, fingers crossed, or I genuinely can't see us being dragged down into into that the bottom three or into a fight against relegation. I think we should be looking up rather than rather than anything else, to be perfectly honest. That's reminded me of a question actually did, did, that I want to ask you, which we had a few weeks ago and I wasn't oh. able to ask because you weren't on. I'm just on the COVID stuff, I um I mean I'm I'm I agree with you and I'm sort of fully vaxxed and I think Jurgen Klopp actually was very good on this actually he was very ago. good. Um but I actually have just coming out. I'm on day 10 now of isolating from getting COVID. So I still got it. You know, having a vaccination doesn't, oh, I don't want to turn this into a political podcast. Um, doesn't necessarily mean you can't get it as well. But I do agree with you that the the, the low rates of vaccinations amongst players probably hasn't helped. Um, but anyway, let, let's talk about football. I just wanted to sort of shout that in as well. And basically get sympathy for having COVID from, from, from our listeners. Um, the question was, and it was a couple of weeks ago, so it was quite early doors, but I think it was after one or two of these defeats, was yeah. what stage is Kevin's paper at? <clears throat> I didn't even consider, even after their third defeat, uh, and commiserations for getting COVID, by the way. I'm sure that Christmas jumper you're wearing would have cheered you up. <laughs> I had. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kept you all. Um, no, I... I, I, I it, it didn't even occur to me after the Man United defeat, to be honest, because we it wasn't our best performance. But even there, if if, if we'd taken the chance that we did just before they scored, we would have got arguably a deserved point. We we didn't play badly, so no, I, I, you, know, you, you can't legislate for you, know, you can't legislate for injuries. You can't legislate for players being out of form. But the way we're playing, the way we're approaching games, I can't see us collapsing. I really can't. There's there's no. I think there's improvement in the team, if if anything. I'd be interested to see what happens in in January, because uh, I suspect we probably won't be spending any money in January. I, I've got a feeling, uh, depending on how Nathan Ferguson is, I've got a feeling that they might think this squad is good enough to get us through uh, to the to the end of the season. Because I, you know, I think for once the transfer business in the summer was whoever was responsible for it. The transfer business in the summer was so uh, impressive that I think we're not in a situation where we're going, Jesus, we have to get somebody in. Unlike, for example, Newcastle, whose continued demise is bringing joy to the world. Uh, I mean, uh, God knows what Newcastle are going to do in in January because they're going to be, their doors will be hammered by agents all over the world trying to offload mediocre players. And I'll be really interested to see. My, I've got a feeling Eddie Howe will look to the championship. I've got a feeling he'll go to possibly his old club or possibly to a couple of clubs in the championship to bring fresh legs in. I, I don't think he'll do what we did in 2016 and bring in like four or five 28, 29-year-olds with, yeah. with a bit of experience on huge salaries. But it's just... They don't seem to have managed that takeover very well. It's, they seem to have been surprised by what running a football club does. Yeah, although, well, although I, I have to say, and this is a you know, Christmas is a time for honesty. And it's probably to do with my age, but there is something about Amanda Staveley. I'm always quite happy when they. You, this is not the first time you said that. When, they, when I know when they cut to her looking sad in the stand, I just kind of think, oh, she just needs. A, <laughs> she terrifies me. No, she absolutely <laughs> terrifies me. I can see why she's risen to the top of business because uh, I am terrified of her. Um, no, I, I think actually this sort of comparison to Newcastle. Um, it's quite a good place actually to talk about Palace because you're right, those three defeats, and we talked about this in the podcast, and we were close in them and probably deserved yeah. a point in a few of them. And the Everton game was a big game, and, and Conor Gallagher said as much afterwards. And, and I think I think it was the sort of game that we didn't want to tell ourselves as fans before the game, this is a huge game, but I think we sort of yeah. knew at the back of our head. And that's why the result, and as I said, the performance was so welcome. I think that's why then when we got the result against Southampton, I think people are frustrated because it feels like there is so much more that we can do this season. And I know yeah. we're, we are in transition and we absolutely have to take that into account and, and uh, survival is still absolutely the objective, whatever that takes. But we've done so well 
you know, before that run of three games and in the Everton game, do you think actually we're almost victims of our own kind of progression and success at this point? So that when results against Southampton, and there's lots of positives, are you scored? We'll talk about later yeah, on. Yeah. We came back from a losing position yet yeah. again. We yeah. scored after two minutes. Lots, lots of positives. But maybe because performances have been so good this season, are we sort of almost the bar is quite high now? I think, uh, oh, without, without a doubt. I think, I think without, I think certainly in seasons gone by before a Southampton game and they're always difficult games against Southampton none of us like Southampton in particular <clears throat> we would have taken a point before Southampton game any time in the past five seasons and the reason we were disappointed is that we we, we we didn't get all three points after the Everton performance but I think on a positive note as I said we adapted to the way they played in a way we wouldn't have done uh, seasons ago without a and also Southampton fans must be pulling their hair out because if any club is kind of in a false position and if you talk to anybody who watches football they all say Southampton are playing good football they're a half decent team and yet they just can't they can't seem to get a run of results together they can't seem to turn yeah. draws into wins so they're not a bad team by by any means, and I think we were probably even. I think there, a lot of people would have thought once we got that goal in the first two or three minutes, a lot of people would have thought, "Oh, they'll they'll crumble," but they didn't. And I, I thought it was credit to them that they they still carried on playing on the front foot and and were, were full of energy even after game one nil down. And they're arguably it's just the same that weasel. I mean, you have to. It's really annoying when that weasel scores. It really is. But you have to kind of go. God, it was a good goal. It was, yeah. And, and arguably, they did deserve to be 2-1 up at, at that time. But I thought, it, from what I saw, as I say, and talking to people, we did deserve the point at the end. So, but I think, yeah, I think the expectations are raised now. I think I think everyone's not only expecting points, but they're expecting outstanding performances as well, which you have to remember is not going to happen because it's, it's still a very new team. Yeah, This is still a team that was literally almost rebuilt from the bottom up. Yeah, with five or six new players, and it, we're only we're not even twenty games in, so they're still getting used to each other, and they're still getting used to the way we, the way we play, and that high energy takes a bit of getting used to as well for the for to, you know, maintain it for ninety minutes. So, yeah. I thought they were I thought they were four really good points. To be perfectly honest, and I, I would have I would have happily settled for four points before those two games. Um, but the Everton game was the one. That was the one that that's the one for me that proved there is a slight. Uh, no, more than a slight change. That game, for me, is a, it proves that we are on a different trajectory because I think on a run of three defeats before, other Palace managers would have said, right, take the point, whatever we do here, let's let's sit back, let's see what we can do. But right from the start of the game, because Everton, I think, watching them against Arsenal, Arsenal, how Arsenal lost that game. Yeah. And I think Everton and their fans were probably thinking, well, that's a turning point. And I think their fans would have, would have thought that they were going to turn up at Sellers Park on the front foot. But that's not how Benitez's teams play. And it looked to me like Vieira knew full well how, how Benitez's teams play. And he knew how to keep the ball away from certain players. Um, and and he, we were set up accordingly. And there's no sign that confidence was low after three defeats. So for me, that was a really... Really significant performance that one for me. Really significant performance and a, a, a really brilliant result. It really put a spring in my step. Well, it, it, and, it, and it was, yeah, me too, actually. And it was, and the Gallagher goal obviously sort of topped it off, and it, and it was a sort of needed result. Um, but you know, the Gallagher goal was really, I, I, I kept expecting it to be VAR. It just, what for? I, well, it looked, watching it in real time, it looked like Sluppy must have. Done something wrong, done something, and, and, yeah. and then it looked. You thought, well, he's actually he's only a yard, he's only a yard away from him. But well, the theory looked, was that, that Coleman like, took it quickly. To, yeah, so he took, to try so, and get the free kick or try and get sloppy books. Yeah, but so but again, I thought, well, there's you know VAR the referee, they're going to yeah. find something. They don't want Palace winning. And then I thought there must well, there must be a foul. Gallagher must somebody must have fouled that defender. So Gallagher, I, I couldn't enjoy it. It took me a minute. It was, until they actually kicked off, I refused to properly celebrate until they kicked off. So I just kept thinking, they'll find something. Of course they will. <laughs> well, this is different that, Palace yeah. this season. Come on, no, it is. Different but, that, but, but that goal, again, that illustrates how different we are. Can you, can you imagine previous seasons where 2-1 up against Everton in a game that we we probably need to win psychologically? We're 2-1 up against Everton with a minute to go. And we're we're pressing 
we're pressing them right but, that high up the pitch. We would have been, we'd have had 10 men behind the ball. Not just Hodgson, Allardyce, any of them, Pardew even, or nine yeah. men behind the ball. Pardew, we, we would have been defending that. The last 10 minutes would have been agony. And, but yet we were still pressing high, trying to get the goal. Is that, got... a, is that a personnel thing? Because we didn't have the likes of Gallagher previously, so we didn't have those legs to do that job. I, uh, yes and no. I've, well, I think it's a personnel. I think it's also a deliberate change in policy from from the management team, without a doubt, from a younger, bolder management team. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Also, it's an indication of how much stronger the bench is as well. And the fact that Schluppi... Oh, who's still a really good player. We've got him to come on, bringing that energy. Uh, yeah, with fifteen minutes to go, so we've we've got more options. So I think yes, it is the fact that we've got players that Roy Hodgson would have loved, and we still don't know whether Roy Hodgson wanted to bring players in, or as some people are indicating from within the club that he was offered money and and. Didn't think it was right to do it. He thought he could save the club with the personnel he had. Keep your money in your pocket, Steve, that sort of attitude. So, but yeah, any of our previous managers in the Premier League would have killed for a player like Conor Gallagher to be, of course they would. And he's just continues to be really exciting. And that finish as well. I mean, that, yeah, it, I don't think it quite got the credit it deserved. I mean, it was a fantastic hit to get it. Because the trajectory was so weird, because it didn't go that high. It just kind of, it sort of allowed him. It was just brilliant. It, there was only one place he could have scored it, and he found it. It was a fantastic finish. I just remembered that I think I had a dream the other night that I, that I was trying to score that kind of Gallagher goal, that sort uh-huh. of bend in the top corner, but I couldn't. You know, you know, in dreams you can't quite do you do the thing you want to do, and I couldn't. I mean, it might also uh, be my complete lack of footballing ability. It might have been coming to play. Uh, as well. uh, I, I rely on the fact that in my dreams I can do things I can't do in real life. <laughs> we are very different people, Kevin. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> our dreams betray us. Um, before we take a break, then for part two, let's just bring it back to the Saints game. Okay, two things. Two things. First yeah. of all. I'm wondering, as it's Christmas, and you sort of alluded to this earlier, and it's a time of forgiveness and a time of spreading love and peace. Is it time for us? And he did score a fantastic free kick against us, and, and it, you know it was brilliant, brilliant goal. Is it time for us to just let go our hate of JWP? I won't say his name. No. And just, you know... It's t- no. no, no, no <laughs> but it's, I, Christmas, it's Christmas. Much, much as I, Christmas goes so far, even in my... I love Christmas, because uh, that, that weasel is staying on the weasel list for... <laughs> For quite some time. I'll, That's Andrew's third list. From I'll the let him have, list. yeah. Yeah, the naughty list, the nice list, and, and the, the weasel, weasel list. list. <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to figure. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'd, as a compromise to you and as a tribute to the season of goodwill, I'll forgive him until January the 6th. Okay. Sure, oh, that's I'm not sh- bad, actually. I'm sure he'll be delighted. <laughs> no, he's, um, <laughs> he's, a, he's one of those players. He's like Mark Hughes used to be. You, you, you really, really dislike him, but you kind of think, I wouldn't mind him. Big in my team, hundred percent. To be perfectly honest, because he is, you know, he's a he's a little, he's a horrible little player. But he, yeah. you know, he's a sort of player every team. I'm sure people feel the same way about Gallagher as well, or yeah, or Wilf, you know, or Wilf, absolutely. But you know, but I mean, Gallagher just does, he just does that a little, just in and out of that little that area between the boxes, just nicking the ball. He, he just looks like he's chatting to, yeah. It, we had a player called Mark Halfacre in our Sunday league team, and his boys have grown up now. But they're, they're asking me recently before one of the Palace games, "What was what was Dad like playing football?" So he was a little twat, he was <laughs> a little weasel. He was a real weasel because <laughs> he was one of those people who would beat somebody, then take the ball back and beat them again. But he he was chirping all the way. He was just <laughs> really, and Conor Gallagher. Conor Gallagher looks like he's doing exactly that. He looks like he's talking. Yeah. To the opposition all the time. But I can't, you know, I can't remember a Palace player who looks like he's enjoying his football more than Conor Gallagher. He just, yeah, just looks like he wants to play. He looks upset when the final whistle goes. He's like <laughs> one of those kids who don't want to go home. Just wants <laughs> to keep playing, and he's a, he's a joy to watch. He just, yeah, it's it's a, it almost makes you smile watching him. It's just yeah. like you think he's great, and it's the fact that he's in a Palace kit is. Is is brilliant. It's really good. I think if he if he had gone to Leeds or whoever else it was linked with, we would be looking at him thinking, God, I wish he'd come to us. And I think we'd feel gutted if we didn't have him. Because he play he plays with a sort of twinkle in his eye, which is and it's almost it's almost quite alluring to sort of you just sort of fall. Well, for do, you him. Think, do you know what you've you've put your finger on something there, JD? Um I was talking to a mate of mine, Mark Webster, who's a West Ham fan, and, and in seasons gone by, how many times in seasons gone by? It's like Jesse Lingard going to West Ham. How many times have we said 
why, why, why did we not think of that? You know, how many times you see a player coming in from abroad or from the championship going to another team and then they go to Watford or West Ham and you think, why were we not in for him? And then he's going, I don't understand it. Why is why were West Ham not in for Gay or Anderson or Edward or Gallagher? You know, because he thinks West Ham are a bigger club. He said, these players should be coming to us. So, whatever the reason this season, whoever was responsible and or whoever wrote off the checks has, did a fantastic job because we've attracted players. That Elise, again, I don't think you'd have come anywhere near Palace in, in previous seasons. So whether it's the Vieira factor, whether it's whether it's Doogie, who I was sitting on a train with recently before, uh, I can't remember which home game it was. Uh, and, uh, and? Harry, Harry Howes phoned up to say, Doogie's on the train. Uh, he's in my carriage. <laughs> right. So we we I got on the train and he, we couldn't we couldn't help but notice each other. And uh, it was all and it was all cordial. We, it was very cordial. We had a very pleasant, polite conversation. We, oh, lovely. We, we, yeah. We, we talked about various transfer activities. He took the credit for all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but whoever was responsible, we've, we've attracted players that other clubs yeah. would love to have. And I, it might be Vieira, as I say. It might be C. Parrish because he's paying the money. It might be Dougie. Who, but whoever it is has done a brilliant job. And that... That self-perpetuates as well because what will then happen is that other players will look at those players that have gone to Palace and think, well, well, if he's gone there, why? Maybe I'll talk to them. Maybe I'll listen to them if they're attracting that much talent. Plus the academy as well. We're seeing, we're seeing really good. I mean, the wins against Liverpool for the for the youngsters, fantastic. We're seeing really good wins at all levels. So, like I say, right back at the start, we're going into Christmas with a real extra present in the way Palace are not just playing, but performing off the pitch as well. I completely agree. And I think that's a good place to end part one. Um, I assume Andy's gone off to sort of put green paint on his face and mess up people's kitchens uh, in his role as the Grinch. Um, But we will see if he returns for part two. Uh, So let's take a quick break and we'll come back after this. We all take on different roles every day. One minute you're a parent... The next, a chef. Or a driver. That's why the Volvo XC40 Recharge is designed to be as versatile as you are. It's fully electric and includes a 360-degree camera, Google built-in, and more. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC40 Recharge. For every you. Some equipment optional. Google is a trademark of Google LLC. My brother-in-law died suddenly. And now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Christmas podcast. Hey, I'm gonna as it's only two of us. I'm gonna have to do away. That's my first ever away. That's mad. Four hundred. You've not done away before. I don't think I have because it's normally the three of you or two of you, or whatever. But you're so. not a away sort of person, are you? Don't. <laughs> I'm not really. You, no, you don't turn up in the portions and go away. No, I'm not away. But you know what, Kevin? It felt good. It felt good it, to wait. Mate, it does feel good sometimes in times of uncertainty and distress, just a little <laughs> cheeky way. It's lovely. <laughs> yeah. So I get streety to do it one time. Way. It's on your own in the car, cheeky yeah. way. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. Give you a little yeah. boost for the day. Yeah. Um, right, okay. It's The Athletic this week, Kevin. It's mm. an athletic episode. Um, Very good. And we will be picking an article after, of course, I tell you all about The Athletic, uh, who bring you every football story that matters. The Athletic is home to the best collection of football reporters, storytellers and analysis in the world. 
From breaking club news to exclusive interviews, brilliant features and tactical analysis, The Athletic is football news you can trust and football rooting, football writing you can feel. (laughs) That's very different. Get all access to exclusive stories advert free. And if you go to theathletic.com slash FYP, that's theathletic.com slash FYP, you can get 50% off your annual subscription to The Athletic. That's just £30 a year for sports journalism that brings you closer to the action. And the action this week is an article by Matt Rosenham called uh, First Goal in 45 Games. For, but 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 Jordan Ayew is perfect for Patrick Vieira's Palace. I got ahead of myself in that sentence. I didn't mm. read the whole thing. Um, obviously, uh, <gasps> he's, he's returned. He's back. He, he he's heard, back. He heard Jordan Ayew's name and he's returned. Uh, he's, to... he's smiling. He's just won a court case. Well, sound, but look, <laughs> look at his little face. <laughs> yeah. He's just, he's just well, invoiced a client for his full daily rate. Look, he was, I mean... He he's, was, he's, he's, he's muted. He's, he's, muted. muted. <laughs> he's obviously, and he looks like he thinks he's being very funny. He's laughing at his own jokes. So he can't. There he is. I said, I said it's actually the invoicing that's the more uh, important point, Kevin, because as we all know, it's not it's not the winning or the losing. It's the collecting in of the payments. Of course it is. Yes. Very true. Yes. <laughs> no, is, I have to agree with that. Not very Christmassy, but it is true. Um, Andy, you've rejoined us to talk about Jordan Ayew, and I'm going to read an article from uh, Matt's piece in The Athletic this week uh, about Ayew. Here we go. It starts with a quote from Vieira. The message has been clear with Jordan, Vieira said. I want to keep him playing the way he's played. His work ethic is what we've needed, and he got rewarded. Uh, my Many, myself included, have criticised those earlier misses in the season. Oh, this is Matt talking, not Vieira now. So Matt, so I'm making an admission, really. I was going to say it's a bit punchy. I mean, he probably has been behind closed doors, but obviously, you know, there's, there's very much different in public. But fair play to Matt here for calling himself out. He said, many, myself included, have criticised those earlier misses in this season and pondered whether he ought to be replaced. But the goal against Southampton was the result of repeatedly putting himself in a position to score. He deserved it. Um, Andy, explain to us why Jordan are you deserved that goal against Southampton? We didn't deserve it, did he? I, I, I don't really like that phraseology. Um, he he's played well recently. He's been particularly good. He's not all well. I mean, he, he's had such a long scoreless streak or goalless streak for him that um, I suppose you would say that eventually, by getting into those types of opportunities, eventually he had to score one of them. Um, and it was a good finish against Southampton. I, I, you know, I think people um, like to think that players who uh, get put in the effort in and putting in good performances eventually deserve um, a goal. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's funny because he's one of those players that when he's really on it, you can see everything that he brings to the team. His his his, his ability to win free kicks, his cleverness on the ball, the, the nous that he has. Um, and you are more than willing to forgive him for the uh, slight lack of cutting edge in front of goal because all of the other aspects of the game are, are can be excellent. But it's when that's not clicking that you get really frustrated as a fan because he's not offering all of that excellent guile and nous. And in addition, he's also not scoring. Um, so I can see equally why fans got frustrated with him too. But I mean, he's, he, the last two, three, four games has been absolutely excellent. He's a he's a brilliant outball. If you if the back four are under pressure, you get the ball to Jordan. He will hold it and like the street. He says he'll win you free kicks as well in good situations. The way Glenn Murray used to do really well. Mm-hmm. His problem is there are there are some people. I'm not saying I was one, but there are some who at times did wonder what Vieira saw in him. To be perfectly honest, and I think it's really. I think the trouble is we should find another word for him other than striker. Because that's why we expect him to... He's not really... He's never really been... I know there were rumours when he first played and he scored a good few goals that he wanted to play as a as a out-and-out centre-forward. That was his position. Or he wanted to play just off the centre-forward. But his, his best role is kind of wide... Right, he's, he's brilliant cover for Wardy. Some of his crossing against uh, Everton and apparently against Southampton were, were really good. I thought it was really interesting on match of day two that their analysis of the game afterwards focused on his relationship with with Gallagher and how often they find them they find each other basically. And it's like Gallagher seems to look for him 
quite often and they do a lot of one twos in fact we nearly scored that that chance he had after five minutes against Everton which he should have scored came from interplay with Gallagher and, and him and it was a, something Matt pointed out in his his article which is excellent as usual is that he does really create a lot of space in the middle of midfield because defenders have to kind of keep their eye on Ayu. And, and in the last three or four games, he's really, really hugged. It's noticeable the Everton game when he's right in front of us. He's really hugging the touchline, really close. He's not coming inside except on the odd rare occasion and it's always effective. But he's really making space in the middle and dragging defenders out. So it's... But one goal in 45 games. That's... And and the thing is, it, our goal difference I think is about fifteen better than it was last season. That's because we we're conceding fewer goals. It's not because we're 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 still not raining goals. And he's got to he's got he's got to score more goals than that. He's got to get into the box more often. He's got to you know he he doesn't. Sometimes it seems to me he doesn't when when plays developing down the other side. He doesn't get into the box enough from his side, basically. When the ball's coming in from the left, he still seems to hang back because he's obviously able to finish. So there's still an element of frustration, but I I, I absolutely agree. He's been really good the last few games. And Vieira obviously had trusted him right from the start as well. Vieira clearly saw something in him, whether it's physical strength, whether it's winning the ball back, whether it was cover for down that side defensively, I don't know. But Vieira obviously rated him from the start. Uh, but I, there, there, were, there were one or two times when you think, crikey, we have other, we do have other options, and I wonder why he's not being, he's not using them. Well, this is the thing: we do have other options now, and I think in previous seasons we almost had no choice yeah. but to play IU because he was yeah, you know, yeah. that season he scored nine goals. He was basically sort of our only striker because of injuries yeah. to other people. But we do have other options now, Andy. Obviously, Elise is here, Edward is here. These are players that can play out wide. Schluppy is obviously available, but because of IU's form. He's almost, certainly in the last month or so, made himself almost undroppable. And that is the theme of the question from PC Wires. Hello, hey, PC. PC. Hey, PC. One of our regulars who says, does Ayu's goal finally justify his place in the starting eleven? What do you think, Andy? And what would you do if you were, you know, if you were Vieira with Ayu? Uh, does it justify his place in the starting eleven? No, because I don't think that's relevant to the criteria against which Patrick Vieira judges him and the basis uh, for his inclusion in the team, if I'm completely honest. And I think Vieira, who I like and I think has done a good job so far, can, I think, sometimes be conservative in some of the choices that he makes tactically and in terms of selections and all that sort of stuff. Um, and in some respects, I think I's picked for all of the things that he does in terms of game management and off the ball in comparison to, you know, brilliant runs in from wide areas behind the fullback, scoring loads of goals, a la Raheem Sterling. He's not that sort of player. So yeah. that's not why he's being picked. That's not why I think Patrick Vieira probably rates him quite highly by the looks of things. And I think that goal isn't why he will continue to stay in the team, but it's it's all of the other facets to his game that I think Vieira clearly puts quite great weight on. Um, as a fan, obviously, I, I guess you... you prefer to see the likes of Elise who are significantly more creative on the ball and are more exciting and have more tricks and are faster and you know a bit younger. But I would be surprised if uh and not because he scored the goal against Southampton, but for all the other reasons I just cited, but I'd be surprised if Vieira were to depart from him being the starting feature in that team and to bring in the likes of Elise, I think it'll be I for quite some period now. Yeah. I mean on the face of it one goal in 45 games you, you can't justify picking a player mm. scoring one goal in 45 games but that just indicates to me what we just talked about is that Vieira doesn't see him as a striker yeah yeah. yeah. he sees him as a wide midfield player and, and goals are a, are a bonus you'd still want more goals from your wide midfield player but clearly his role isn't he's not the he's not the the, the striker he's not the the main focus of, of scoring goals you know, I, I don't know what his assist figures are like. Some of his crosses deserve better than they got in the in the last couple of games. But clearly, I think Andrew's right, and I think Elise is still so. I mean, the other thing about Ayu that people don't really notice is physically he's really strong, mm. which Elise probably hasn't got yet in the Premier League. So Elise, I think, is being looked after and nurtured well. I think we'll see Elise playing bits and pieces 
here and there before he, he's a regular starter. And at the moment, you, although yes, you, there are more exciting players. You, you, you wouldn't be surprised. You understand why he's being picked. It's, it's just, it's you know, he, I suspect that he, he looks a better player to professional football coaches than he does to some fans, basically. Yeah. yeah. You know, in a way that you know, going back to players like Dave Madden way back when, when you know you, you, the fans couldn't really see what he what he did, but Coppel just said he's the first name on the team sheet. He's the best player we've got, and so I think I think I was one of those players, and he yeah. he, he has got goals in him. I mean, if you remember the West Ham goal, for example, he is yeah. he's, he is a good finisher. It's just that he seems to be holding himself back, not getting into situations where where he could pick up loose balls and score goals. But no, I, I'm I'm perfectly happy for him to be in the team and you know you and also you have to bow to Patrick Vieira's uh, knowledge of the game basically if Patrick Vieira thinks he's the best player for the for the for the role then I'm happy to acknowledge that he is the best player for the role and yet ironically when the goal came it was the harder chances he's had this season it was a very acute angle and yet he finished it absolutely expertly like a striker who had scored more in the last 45 so uh, uh, Again, watching it on TV, I just kept thinking they're going to have to VAR that off as well. How, how, how was, well, they did because it, it looked hit, like it, so many things are wrong with, with that goal. <laughs> there's a new rule. We'll end this part. Know, there's season, a new rule about Edward handballing. If Edward had yeah. scored directly, it would have been disallowed but because he didn't. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. Right. But we'll take it. We'll take the point. We'll take the IU goal. Uh, and we'll also remind you that uh, you can listen to, well, you can read The Athletic uh, and go to theathletic.com slash FYP for 50% off annual subscription uh, to The Athletic and get Matt article and many more from Matt and Dom Fifield, of course. Uh, right, after the break, uh, questions. Aquí estamos preguntando sobre supersticiones financieras. Bueno, en mi familia decían, si te pica la mano, no te la rasques porque viene dinero. Pero si quieres controlar tu presupuesto, hay una manera mucho más práctica. ¿En serio? Con el plan Precio Personal de State Farm, puedes crear un precio accesible solo para ti. Y sin aguantar picazón, me gusta. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Llama para obtener una cotización hoy. Los precios varían según el estado. La elegibilidad para la selección de cobertura podría variar. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hello, welcome back to the Fluffy Plan Christmas podcast. Hey, hey. Oh, just that time. Okay, right. <laughs> uh, I, I did a halfway. I did a halfway yeah, to balance out Andy's boo. I'd forgotten he was going to. I should keep. You can't getting. do a half-hearted way. You have to commit to the way, or don't do it at all. You're right. Should we do it again? Yeah, it's like Christmas. That's true. I agree. All right. Part four. I'll do a proper way. I'll do a proper way. Right. Um, questions from our listeners. Uh, let's get one here from <laughs> one of my favourite listeners, Spoon Bill McCumpty. Hey, Spoon Bill. How are you? Hello, oh, Spoon Bill. No, um, no I'm not having that. Is <laughs> we, and do we have to go with what's written down? I have to trust the notes, unfortunately. Is he one of um, the uh, Warwickshire McCompties? I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. believe lovely, so. Lovely family. Fantastic family. Um, we are 18 games in, I believe. Well, 17, I guess. 18 would have been because of the Watford game. Uh, yeah. So Spoon Bill says, after being tipped as relegation favourites and Vieira tipped to get sat, how do we rate the season so far? Almost a half-term report, Kevin. Spoon Bill says, um, we are no better or worse points-wise than under Roy, uh, but the football is so much better and the players look free. So if we're going for a sort of half-term report, what are you rating, Palace? I think we sort of covered this in the first 10, 15 minutes when we were desperately trying to make up for the fact <laughs> Street he wasn't here. Uh, it's, it's a good job I like the sound of my own voice, isn't it? Because that would have been an no, awkward 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it's interesting that we, we talked at the start of the season. I was actually quite cross with a lot of people, people like Chris Sutton, uh, who should know better, who wrote Palace off, essentially, who... The same people that said bringing Steven Gerrard to Villa was a brilliant move were saying <laughs> that bringing Vieira uh, to Palace was a terrible move. And, and as 
I think it was Julian Chenery, friend of the pod, who after the Everton game just just wouldn't stop saying, but quite rightly, everyone, oh yeah, see uh, Patrick Vieira, the inexperienced, yeah. uh, no no experience in the Premier League, seems to have beaten Rafa Benitez with some yeah. experience in the Premier League. So I I thought I, maybe it's because he wasn't our first choice. I don't know. You know, Tottenham took the manager who probably was our first choice, and to see, look how that ended up. Yeah. I think. If you if you're just looking at the league table, you'd go, well, what's all the fuss about? But you're not. We're looking at things on and off the pitch, and and I think we've made the basis for a much better future. So I, I, it's a it's a much more positive half term report than I would have done previously. Uh, and you know, I, it's pointless out of ten. But I mean, you look at it's seven, eight out of ten as far as I'm concerned. I've, I've been very happy with what's happened so far. Yeah, I guess Andy as well. You have to take the context into into account, which is that is a new manager, and we know he lacked experience and uh, big turnover in players as well. So really, the aim for Palace was to stay up this season. But if you look at the table, we're in mid-table. We got a zero goal difference, and in fact, only the top five and yeah. two others have a better goal difference than that. Uh, we've only lost five games and again, only the top six, I think have got a better record than that. So actually, even if this wasn't a Patrick Vieira season or a new, an experienced manager, you'd be saying Palace are there or thereabouts really. But I guess get, added the context of Vieira coming in and the turnover, it has to be a positive half season review, surely, even despite the, the recent run of defeats. Yeah, I think so. I, there was... Um... Uh, a good article by is it Jason Burt who writes for the Telegraph? Telegraph? Yeah, mm-hmm. really good. Talking about the extent of change that there was at Palace over, over the summer, it was it was a bold thing to do to change the manager, to change the squad, to change the playing style all in one go. And in some respects, I you know I know it's very easy to have a go at the pundits, but I can see why they they came to the view that they did in some ways. You know, it was an awful lot of things to be changed in one go and going away from a very conservative and safe choice in the way we played and the type of player that we had and the manager that we had to try something completely different. Now, actually, if you look at the cycles that clubs of Palace's size who've been in the Premier League for prolonged periods of time end up going through, a lot of them end up going down because the age profile of the squad ends up getting worse and worse and worse um, because of that thing called the ageing process. (laughs) And the difficulty in replacing players becomes more and more acute and they get to a stage where it's pretty rare that they're able to regenerate the entire squad in one window in the way that Palace did. Um, and I can't think of another club who have actually tried to do what Palace did. So in some respects, you can see why plenty of pundits were saying, you know, this this is a real risk and this could go horribly wrong. And it hasn't. You know, that, that is a fundamentally fantastic thing to happen to Palace. There are still you know, things that are rough around the edges and still need to be ironed out. Um, not least the fact that there have been matches where we should have got a better return uh, in terms of points in comparison to the performances. But yeah, I, mean, I, I, I would struggle to say that it was uh, even a neutral half-term report because contextually and in terms of the football and in terms of the, the outcomes we've been getting, is it has been very positive. I would still like us to be putting more points on the board in the next say 10 games um but i, I guess we'll have to see it see how that goes uh, at this stage i will say that obviously the telegraph is the newspaper of choice for thrusting young lawyers but i i read the article as well because somebody sent me a link to it because i won't have it in my house naturally but what was interesting what came out of that article which i thought was really interesting was jason burke saying what andy just said how risky this strategy was but how people in football have actually applauded it and looked at Palace and said it was really well managed and actually really well done and the timing of it was was essential uh, and it's it's as he says it's it's clearly paid off and it's I think that's something else that's interesting again for the first time in in a long time people are talking about the way we play football pundits because in in the past five or six years, people would say, you know, your, your, your Nevilles and your Carragers and your Shearers would be saying, oh, it's always a great atmosphere, always a difficult place to go and, and play. Yet we were turning up at Sellers Park week in, week out, seeing us lose or, or or draw. So it clearly wasn't that hard to go and play. And now the pundits are talking about the way we're playing football. They're concentrating on the way we're playing football, not, not our shape, 
not our organisation, not how well we defend. They're, they're, they're talking about how good we are going forward and how we have goals in us. And that, for me, that's really exciting. It's really refreshing because it's, it's a rare... It's a rare phenomenon, and long may it continue. Yeah, I mean, we're getting all the things we asked for for the last couple of years. We're, yeah, yeah. we're progressing in the way that we've been, you know, crying out for as fans, and it is kind of working. And you can only really take the league table, you know, in good faith. We do it after 10 games, and after 10 yeah, games, yeah. we're looking okay. We're nearly at 20 games, and again, we're looking okay. So you have to believe that, you know, barring a disaster in the second half of the season, that hopefully this first season under Vieira will, will play out and we'll do okay. And actually, really... You can count on one hand, really only a couple of fingers, the games that we've been absolutely pummeled and been nowhere near. In fact, I can only really think of Chelsea in the first game of the season. The other defeats we've had have all been fairly... I mean, the Villa game was disappointing, but fairly close, really. When you look at, well, actually, even, there's been the Brighton game, the Arsenal game, there's been points where really even, we, sh- we should have got more. Even Jurgen Klopp said that was the hardest 3-0 victory. Yeah, I guess ever, Liverpool, ever, yeah. Yeah, but he, but he said himself afterwards that was a really difficult game and it wasn't a fair reflection of the scoreline. And having said that, that Liverpool game does illustrate one, there is still one area in which we need to, to improve and that's conceding goals at set pieces. Yeah. All three of the goals against Liverpool were, were set pieces and we, we need to work on that. Uh, I mean, that's why it's good to see Tompkins score from a set piece because we're, our defending against set pieces hasn't been clever so that's got to that's got to change yeah although when we played when we lost to United it, the fact that because it was like three or four games in a row where we conceded from set pieces and yeah. because it wasn't a goal from a set piece at United I genuinely even, even though we lost I took that as kind of progress actually <laughs> uh, that we worked on one area of the team um, let's move on to another question uh, from Joe you know what as we're feeling upbeat and positive we'll have a one word answer yeah yeah it yeah. feels like it yeah, yeah it feels are. like it come collective, on the collective we yeah the collective you're out let's have a one word answer to this question from sean stephen who hi, simply sean. says hello sean. Hi, sean um can palace still finish in the top eight that's very optimistic from him i'll just i'll credit to can palace finish in the top eight this season kevin <laughs> can they or will they I, we, oh, we can yeah. technically, of course, we can. Yeah, we can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> will they? No. Okay. So yeah, uh, a yes and no. A yes and a no. Yeah, yeah. but to be perfectly honest, uh, <laughs> I you know, I think our parameters will be changing in in the future. Yeah. But still, staying up is still this season is the is the number one priority. But I think we should be looking up rather than down. So I, I think I think we'll get a top ten finish. Yeah, I don't think we'll be, I actually don't think we'll be too far away. And I'm touching wood right now in the cabin because I know that. Oh, that sounds terrible. Uh, well, because thank God oh, we can't see you. <laughs> because, because obviously a lot of things can change. But that's the thing, Andy. I guess we do have to be looking up, not down, especially when you look at the league table at the moment. And, and I guess if we're ever as Palestine is going to be positive or or maybe even getting a little bit carried away, you know, why not now? Why not now? Because we can't defend set pieces. And we tend not to get what we deserve from matches. And but and yet we're still you know living in the table that hasn't done us. Yeah, no, which 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 is good. But in response to the question, I I fully endorse Kevin's answer. (laughs) Is it theoretically possible that we can finish in the top eight? (laughs) And mathematically so, yes, it is. (laughs) On the balance of probabilities, will we do so? No, we will not. Fine, fine. I expected that as an answer. Um, let's go to, let's have a Christmas. We've got questions about January. Should we save the January transfer window for next week when, or maybe start of January when it actually is January? Yeah. Uh, I'm sure we'll get a lot of questions about that. So I'll save those for uh, future weeks. Let's, here's yeah, one. let's not ruin Christmas by talking about January already. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, here's one from Magic3CPFC. Hey, Magic. Hello, Magic. One of our regulars. Um, and Magic says, um, what is the panel asking Santa for Christmas uh, this year? And he signs off by saying, have a, a best safe and healthy Christmas and happy new year to all pod listeners oh, as well. Kind of so um, what are we asking for? And I guess, I guess he means in a, maybe in a palace. Oh, really? Theme, I was going to say, well, I was going to say world peace and the new prime minister, but <laughs> well, we might get one of those um, <laughs> palace wise. What, what are we asking for? I don't know more of the same, really. I, I, you did a big pillowcase to fit several new players in um <laughs> but santa could do anything he's magic um i i, I don't I, I generally don't know the answer to that question because in any other season at this time you probably would be able to identify 
several areas in which we needed to improve or several things we needed to do better. So, you know, I don't know how good Santa is at coaching set-piece defending, but <laughs> again, we know he can do anything, but, you know, back stick, North Pole, so on. But I, I, I generally don't know. I think this season Palace fans should give Santa some time to himself or let him look after little children like he should be doing. But there's generally nothing I can think Maybe, I don't know, maybe cover it right back. Maybe Nathan Ferguson fit and playing again would be, yeah, let's go for that. Let's go for Nathan Ferguson fit. Because let's face it, he better be good. He, he <laughs> yeah. better be good. After making us wait this long to see him play football, he better be good. But you know, that, the terrible worry for a player like Nathan Ferguson is that he turns into a fullback version of Connor Wickham. Is that... He he comes back and just he's he's not physically ready for the Premier because it, remember it's a big step from where he was playing into the Premier League. It's, it's physically very demanding, so you just hope that he's fully ready and able. And I don't think Ward is playing well enough, and we got Kleiner's cover of this. I don't think they will rush Ferguson back. So, that, but that would be that would be a wish to get him back ready to play. I, I suspect it'll be the start of next season before he's ready to start games again. We certainly don't need to, to rush him back. I think Santa will leave his Palace-related work to David Blitzen. Oh, nice. Yeah, Very that'll good. That'll do, that'll do. Very that'll good. Do. Yeah. Um, it's Christmas. Uh, it's time it's for clear. Christmas. It's jokes. It's great. Exactly, exactly. Um, Andy, if I could actually answer this question before I sort of throw to you, I guess most Palace fans will be asking, and this isn't a Christmas present, but it's more of an end-of-season present, but it would be a Conor Gallagher-shaped uh, present wrapped up on a permanent deal at the end of the season. I think if we had a choice, although maybe that's not a realistic one. So what will you be asking for Christmas-wise, Palace-wise from Father Christmas? Oh, you haven't qualified it there because I was going to say <laughs> otherwise uh, for him to start pulling his weight because I seem to apparently buy lots of presents that are being given to my kids <laughs> on his behalf. I don't quite understand that arrangement if he's real. Shush. There um, might be five-year-olds listening to this. <laughs> yeah. If, if there are I'm even more furious than usual, what with it being two minutes past eight, I would say uh, being realistic about things. Uh, I'm not going to get onto the Conor Gallagher thing. Um, some more central midfield cover. I think we, we significantly missed James McArthur immediately after his injury. Um, Will Hughes has had you know one good game and one slightly more average game. Um, we don't know quite whether or not he will be the Sort of long-term solution or, and, and they'll have the type of all-round game that James McArthur's got um, in terms of being able to do absolutely everything. Uh, so maybe another option who can step in for Jimmy Mack if need be would be good. I I suspect, I think Palace fans need to get used to the idea that Santa, although he is magic, he's not a miracle worker. I, <clears throat> I suspect we need to get used to the idea that Conor Gallagher won't be at Palace next season and I, Wait a minute, I think, you mean the GoFundMe that's raised £115 so far won't be sufficient to buy I, the, most, the highest performing English young player in the league I, 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 the, there's a mitigating circumstance my, my, understand, I, I, my understanding is that he wants he considers himself a Chelsea player on loan at Palace and that he wants to go back to Chelsea and get into the first team there the mitigating factor is that there's a World Cup coming up at the end of next year, and it may be that he feels he's got a better chance of going to the World Cup if he's playing every week in the Premier League. But I, I don't, I, I don't think we brought him in on loan with a view to buy. Let's, let's put it like that. I mean, if it does happen, it'll be lovely. But I, <clears throat> I think we will. We need to look at other options in the summer. Yeah, well, at least Andy uh, yeah. will be smiling because he's warm. No, I, I I agree. I think you know fans need to be realistic about it. There there are two issues. That one is whether or not he's good enough and will to get into the Chelsea team and will get into the Chelsea team. Who knows on that time will tell. But then the other is will he personally have the motivation to try and get into the Chelsea team and might they give him the opportunity to do so, having had a stellar season at Palace? And you'd have to say on the current basis that they will. You would expect give him at least a shot. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that being the case, with his stated motivation to try and break in there, and the fact that you know his mindset is apparently, as Kevin says, and I don't think anyone would begrudge him giving that a go. I, I think it's you know highly, highly unlikely he'll be at Palace next season. 
Uh, I completely agree. Um, but, you know, who knows in football? And at least he does look very good in a white roll neck as well. So, fair play <laughs> to him. Um, very Christmassy. Very last very uh, yeah, last Christmas. Um, anyway, let's take a break. Thank you very much for your questions. Uh, we'll be back after this. We're going to preview the Boxing Day game at Spurs. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Okay, let's get this cavity filled. Uh, doctor, I think your tank is leaking laughing gas. Gas? <laughs> Did you hear you can save on gas at BJ's Wholesale Club? Wait, you can save on gas at BJ's? <laughs> yeah, members save on everyday low gas prices. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> nope, these savings are no joke. <laughs> BJ's, absurdly simple savings. Shop today. Not a member? Go to BJ's.com slash simple savings. Welcome back to the five-year plan Christmas episode. There we go. We got there. Jingle all the way. (laughs) Jingle Jingle all the way. Excellent. (laughs) Excellent. Um, Right. It's Spurs away on Boxing Day. We assume, Kevin, that the game is going to go ahead. I know the Premier League had a meeting recently and they were actually not this game week, the next game week they were talking about suspending, but they decided not to. So uh, barring any sort of COVID outbreaks on either team, let's assume the game is going ahead. And in fact... Before we preview the game, here's a question from Jack MK95. Hello, Hi, Jack. Jack. Hi, Jack. He says, will fans still be allowed into stadiums during the festive period? We have to believe, as close yes. as we are now, that, that, that it's going to be as probably as normal as, as, as normal. Yeah. The, uh, it, to, to make any changes, uh, we, our system is slightly different to Scotland, where the First Minister can... Uh, make emergency to make Johnson has committed himself to recalling Parliament before any changes happen. So that's highly unlikely to happen between Boxing Day and the twenty eighth. So yes, and to be perfectly honest, the time to call games off was the last weekend and the weekend before, not mm. not now. So yeah, I think fans will be allowed. I think Patrick Vieira, as he's walking down the touchline in front of seventy thousand Spurs fans, would probably wish. Fans weren't allowed into the into the stadium. <laughs> yeah. uh, it'll be interesting to see how motivated Tottenham are by their abject 3-0 defeat at Sellers Park, which for me, the highlight of the season so far was in the portions afterwards. The atmosphere in there was fantastic. When we had that, the first inkling that something might be happening, we played really well that day against a very poor Spurs team. It's really... Spurs are a really frustrating team for their fans. I mean, they, their players are, are great, but they're just not quite. There were some moments against Liverpool when they looked really, really good, and there were other times when they looked like they could concede three goals in as many minutes. So I'll be interested to see how Vieira approaches this game. But I, I think again, he will go there thinking that our best chance of winning it is to is to go at them. I, you know, this, I, I think he will. Obviously, be mindful of not allowing some space behind the back four, but I, I don't think their defence looks anything too much to worry about. To be perfectly honest, and I think I think we've got the potential to score goals there. Yeah, to be you know, so it's an it's an interesting test because Spurs are obviously a good side. They're above us with games in hand, but they're not. They don't look to me like they're anywhere near breaking into the top four, top five. Super Six, whatever you want to call it. So, you know, these are for an improving team. These are games that you think let's let's go there, thinking we can get something out of it, rather than let's go there, park the bus, and if we come away with three 0 the goal difference hasn't taken too much of a hammering. Yeah, I mean, Kevin's Kevin's very right to uh, reference that game earlier in the season, Andy. And and there's no way Spurs will be as bad as they were. That day, I mean, they've got a different manager who has definitely started to improve them since then. Although 
but I'm sure they'd say they're still quite far away from where they want to be. And they obviously have the players that can hurt us and have done. Our record at Spurs is, is not good recently. And, and Harry Kane nearly always seems to play. Although I will say, I think he's very lucky to be playing in this game oh. and should have been sent off against Liverpool for, for a pretty reckless tackle. But again, that's hashtag typical Palace that he will be featuring and I'm sure will be looking to add to his goal. So it's going to be a difficult game. Where do you think Palace can hurt Tottenham in this game on Boxing Day? Um, I think if, you know, the, the, the thing that we lots of people now associate Spurs with being is kind of the complete opposite of what they were under Pochettino, which is at times fairly stodgy in how they go about things and not, you know, snapping back into a compact defensive shape and not pressing you high and just not really doing anything really, just being a bit Spursy. And I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if they... Well, they were certainly very spursy in the, the game against us so has earlier in the season. Um, I've got to confess, I've not seen them a huge amount under Conte. I, I didn't watch the game against Liverpool. Um, by all accounts, according to, I've got a few mates who are Spurs fans, by all accounts, they are now starting to improve and you can see they've got a bit more structure to their play and um, they don't look quite so all over the place off the ball. Um, so, yeah, I mean, where can we hurt them? Probably in, in the way that we have tended to hurt teams uh, certainly away from home with Conor Gallagher making late darts into the box that the defenders don't pick up on. Um, be obviously interesting to see if we go with, with Ben Teke, who finished the, the last match and tried to go a bit direct to Billy, their, their defenders. Um, set pieces, you know, we're probably not going to get too much money together, isn't it? Set pieces, I say that, we'll probably score two corners now. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, it's all to play for. That's, what, that's what? my really cl- cl- cliche-ridden answer there, sorry. <laughs> Zoe, my lack of understanding. Is that what you say to clients before you go into court? It's all to play for. It could go either way, mate. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. The, um, what's, no, we, we, we do that, but with, like, quite a lot more words and it could be higher hourly rate than I charge this podcast. <laughs> what, what, what has improved under Conte and... and uh, Sky picked up on this very much before the Liverpool game. It's the uh, the energy that he's put into the players. They're running much more. They're covering much more distance than they were under the last manager. So whether that's down to Conte in particular or just trying to impress the new manager, I don't know. But they're certainly uh, snapping into tackles much more than they were. So again, I think they 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 their press didn't look that. Imp- effective against Liverpool. So I think we've got the players to get in and around them. Spurs back four is, you know, seems to be an ever-changeable concept. So I think we could get at them down the middle. So, yeah, I think we go there with more optimism than we have done before. And But let's, to be perfectly honest, I think most sensible Palace fans are looking at the Norwich game after that to pick three points. And if we were to get three points out of the two Christmas fixtures, again, I'd be perfectly happy with that. I think that's fair. And in terms of selection, I think we're probably expecting man of the hour, Jordan Ayew to probably start. It's a perfect sort of away game for him to play and maybe see Elise later on. I suspect it won't be a too different team uh, from, the, from the last game either, but uh, we will see. Uh, well, let's, I mean, if we can go and beat Man City 2 0, there's no reason why we can't go and beat Spurs 2 0 or lose 4 0. <laughs> Either way, things haven't changed that much. <laughs> no, exactly. And it is Spurs away. Um, Let's wrap up the podcast there. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. Kevin, it's lovely to have you back on. And Merry Christmas Christmas to you and your family as well. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to all of our listeners, especially to you two. Oh, thank you very much. I won't. I mean, I'll say the same to Andy, but I don't think I'll get the same answer back. Andy, (laughs) thanks for coming on and a Merry Christmas to you as well. Well, it's good to be here for 60% of the pods. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Merry Christmas to everyone. It's been a tough year for lots of people. So I no, uh, uh, hope you enjoy some time with your families and some rest. Oh, he didn't say I've lost a fiver. I bet I bet <laughs> a fiver you'd say bar humbug when anyone's. <laughs> 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 No, Andy's right. It has been a very hard year for lots of people. So we hope that our pods have, have helped in any sort of way possible. And, um, and we do send lots of love to all our listeners, wherever you are in the world. And we hope you have a great Christmas or whatever you celebrate. We hope you have a great time uh, with your family. So um, that's it. Have a great Christmas. We'll see you again uh, in the final pod of the year next week. Uh, but until then, stay safe and goodbye. Podcast Network.